Hello, good evening, and welcome to Layman Learn Torah. I'm Celia. This is my co-host, Joy. Hello. Um, we're coming at you now, beginning Vayera today. Uh, but before that, I wanted to give a shout out to my cousin, uh, who texted us after last week's episode where we talked about Sarah's argument with Abraham. And Sarah mentioned something about letting God judge between us. Um, let the Lord judge between you. Yeah, me between you. me and you. And we were kind of talking about what is God judging? What is his place there? What's happening? Um, and my cousin texted me and reminded me of a phrase in Arabic, um, Allah Yismahik, I think, or Allah Yismahik, meaning, let, I hope God forgives you. And it's kind of like, um, uh, you've done something really not great and I hope that God um, can be the judge between us and forgive you for for this thing that you've done um, and I feel like that kind of fits in the context of what we were talking about of like Sarah saying I don't even want to get into this with you you know God can be the judge between us I'm I'm just you know you just have to choose me or Hagar like it, it kind of fit into the whole narrative. So thank you, Ruthie. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Keep sending us more bits. That was very interesting. I liked when she sent that. Yeah. We're starting Vayera today, and we're picking up right where Lech Lecha left off, um, where Abraham and his entire household become circumcised. Uh, so another fun tidbit about being raised on Midrash. I thought you were going to say about circumcision. <laughs> <laughs> Another tidbit about circumcision. Uh, about tidbits. <laughs> uh, so as long as I've been alive, I honestly thought that, again, it said somewhere in the text that Abraham was sitting in front of his tent recovering from his circumcision oh, and that yep. this was the third day which is the most painful day after a surgery yes i remember this and um and that's why it was all the more amazing that he was so eager to welcome these three strangers in the desert i don't think people realize how damaging that story is because when i was little and i heard that like all i imagined was it says the he was sitting in the entrance in his tent in the heat of the day and i i imagined him wearing like this heavy cloak and like he's bandaged <laughs> and everything's hot and I'm like I don't really have thank god any surgery stories but like even just after giving birth and like just bandaged and heat and I just it's a very jarring visualization for a teacher to kind of teach us when all the text says was that he was sitting outside he was sitting, he was sitting outside and I think it was that, hot outside I think that it's because it's chronological that it's, right. it's really it the next right thing that happens but that three day thing is so specific yeah but it's funny because now I notice that the third day really does it really does suck oh really more yes more so than others. the third yes. day after exercise Oh, you're saying like the th three as the general rule. Yes, as the general rule of it being the most painful time after like a surgery or a procedure oh. or a workout. I always notice that the third. This midrash adds to the story in that we have to talk about just how much pain Abraham was in. Yeah. And he was still this yes. 
poster child for Hafnasat Orchim. Hafnasat Orchim. Um, yes. Which in English is welcoming the guests. Guests. Yeah. Yeah. Geographically, we know that Abraham was up in the mountains. Sidom seems to be in a lower valley. Okay. Three strangers. Um approach the tent and Abraham runs up to them, bows to them, um, welcomes them to his home. And they're like, okay, you, you could do all that stuff that you just offered for us. Yeah. And he, he goes into detail and he's like, please, I'm your servant, wash your feet, rest, um, and then come inside, have some bread. Um, and then you'll be on your way. And then they're like, yes. Okay. Do that. Sure. He tells Sarah, Hurry, make um, three set of fine flour. So you're going to bake bread right now from scratch, I guess, as everyone's washing up. Yes. I'm not sure how quickly that takes, but well, it seems like Well, apparently they're also bake, uh, 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 roasting half a lamb. Choice calf. A calf. Oh, yes. I saw this um, in preparation for today, and I was shocked. I don't know if you were shocked by what I was shocked by. Do you see it? Why? It says, Abraham ran to the herd and took a tender choice calf and gave it to the young man. He brought curds and milk and the <gasps> calf. Yeah, they're mixing meat and milk. Oh. I know. What are you doing? Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, my God. I know. He brought meat and milk that he had prepared and set them before them. Obviously, there's no kashrut. There are no... Right, that's what I wasn't given yet. And as they're feasting, they're like, uh, where's Sarah? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, he's she's right there in the tent. And they said, we'll come back to you this time next year. She's going to have a son. Yeah. And then Sarah hears this and... She's laughing. She chuckles to herself yeah. like these guys. Yeah. My husband's old. I'm old. She doesn't ovulate. I would imagine anymore if the way of women don't. Yeah. Uh, you know, visit her. Or I don't even know how it's worded. The Torah doesn't know what to do with a period. Hold on. <laughs> it's um. I had she no longer had female periods as opposed to the male ones. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, orach. I guess I don't know where is what, okay. is what what is the etymology of orach. I have no idea. This was published. In, I just have the way of women no longer visited Sada like nineteen eighty one. It's very interesting that they're using the word visited Sada like oh it was a welcome guest. Yeah, you know. However, if she was never if she didn't have a regular period, I would assume if she couldn't get pregnant, I would assume. Maybe she did welcome her period when she got it. Like That's a visitor. Funny. Orach. Orach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the same language. A visitor. Oh, that's so interesting. It's the same language that they're yeah. using that Abraham was always welcoming visitors. Okay. And now it seems like they're calling her period a visitor. It's definitely welcome if it's what, right, right after it, she I would know. start to ovulate and they can maybe have a baby. Okay, so then now the men got up to leave and they look towards Sedom. Abraham walks them out on their way. He's kind of walking them out of their house. And interestingly, I actually picked up a habit from my father-in-law who started this habit that it's, according to Halakha, you're, suppo- you're supposed to walk someone, not just to your door, out of your house, but you're supposed to walk them out of your house. Mm-hmm. Like onto your pathway, like towards the road. To, okay, towards the to, way where they're where they're going. 
Um, and I think that this might be where it's from. I never actually oh, I love asked that. him, but Abraham accompanied, accompanying, accompanied them. To send them on their way. Yeah, yeah to see them on their way. So it, from what I understand, the halakha comes from making the guest feel like they were so welcome that you're not really like ready waiting. to let them yeah, go. Yeah, you're not ready to let them oh. go. You're not walking them out. Um, so I think it's like a really nice habit, um, but obviously it's steeped in... <laughs> In Halakha and Torah. So that's interesting. And it's also just a kind thing to yeah, do it's for your guests. Nice. And here's where things start getting a little bit strange. Um, Hashem says, it doesn't say who he says it to, but Hashem says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? So one interesting thing for me from um, Hashem's kind of like inner dialogue or outer dialogue depending on who we think he's talking to right i love pasuk yutet um or 19 where it says uh Kind of like Hashem's reason for considering telling Abraham is he's this man is going to be the one who not only um, is the forefather of the nation that I want, but he's also going to carry on the values that I want in my nation. And what are those values? They are... uh, Yes, charity and justice, right? Um, And I, I, I read into that as in Hashem is telling himself, I want to show Abraham what it is that I don't want out of my nation, but also the mishpat part, the justice part. It's like, should Abraham be a part of that? Should I give him more of a proactive part in my gizerot? What's gizerot? That's how I read it. Like uh, my verdict, kind oh, of, okay. right? I'm reading this as Hashem giving Abraham an opportunity to be a part of the justice that he's going to carry on to Saddam. Um, because those are the values that he's kind of carrying on to his nation. Right. He's creating an opportunity for yes. Abraham to say, hold on, is there someone worth saving here? And then in that case, how should one behave um, if there are good people there? Yeah, what's what's the expression? Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Oh yeah, yeah, because then because then Abraham starts to argue with Hashem, like, wait, you know, if there are this many tzaddikim in in Sodom, will you um, save the city? Yeah. Okay, never mind. If there's forty five, okay, never mind. If there's forty, how about thirty? How about twenty? But once he gets to ten, he's like, all right, Sodom, you beat. You know, God just kind of. <laughs> Ends the conversation. Yeah. Hashem, um, like, gets up and leaves, like, all right, yeah. all right, bro, we're done. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left. <laughs> <laughs> so they end at 10. I wonder if that's the reason why that's what makes a minyan, 10 men. Oh. Like, is that where uh, the rabbis look for what makes, yeah, oh, what, what makes... makes a group of men, what makes a group oh, of people? Huh. Um, rather than an individual, I don't know. Or how big a size do you need to redeem a whole? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but I was kind of thinking about these angels. Like they don't 
they barely talk. They are just kind of like moving and doing whatever. I guess God. I know like, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, no. but it kind of reminds me of like a uh, Greek and Roman mythology of like um, the gods disguising themselves as humans to go and test everybody out and oh, see how mm-hmm. the human condition is going. Mm-hmm. So this kind of reminds me of that as um, like you said, they're not really speaking a lot. They're just kind of going about their way, seeing how humans respond to their presence. That's a much more sophisticated idea than I jotted down, which is that they were like NPCs. You know, so all I hear all day long is kids saying NPC, and I looked it up. It's non-playable characters in a video oh, game. Oh, oh, I love that. So, like, when Did you're... they really say that? Yeah, they say it all the time. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know why this became, like, a thing to say, but... Like, kind of an irrelevant person? Yeah, like, when okay. you play a video game, and your character... You can control your character, but then there's all these, like, random characters in the background who are, like, moving their yes, arms, like, really yes. weird, and they can't really do anything. Um, I don't know. I think it's probably uh, an offensive term that they use. <laughs> Someone's an NPC, but um, these these angels were giving me NPC vibes. Um, so that was what I thought of. Now I'm going to imagine them as like digital characters. <laughs> I was. Um, no, uh, that, I'm just joking, really, because that happens in Yudchet, and then obviously in Yudchet <clears throat> they become much more uh, three dimensional. In the story. This chapter is very juicy. Yeah. Very juicy in a lot of weird ways. So this chapter describes the destruction of Sedom and Amora and the events that led up to it. I feel like I gotta start with a trigger warning. Like there is <laughs> sodomy, Check your rape, trigger every everything. People being struck blind. Yeah. Okay. So the two angels come up and Lot, taking the example from his uncle, maybe, is sitting at the gate. He gets up to greet them. He bows his face. He's like, come to my house. I'll make you a whole feast. I didn't realize that, that he bowed with his face to the ground and Abraham had just done that to his guests. Yeah. Okay. It's very, I I feel like the parallel is very... um, Pointed. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that it's probably part of the reason why he's eventually saved. Right. I wonder if there's a significance to uh, the idea of Abraham being by his tent in oh. the heat of the sun and Lot oh being my by God. his Oh my God! Fire! Wow! I don't know. Why did I not see this? I'm such a idiot. No. You're no, fine. he's he's sitting at the entrance of the city gate, <laughs> and he's bowing down, and Abraham's sitting at the entrance of his tent, and he's bowing down. This is beautiful. And I think that, you know, th- it has to be this way in order for him to be saved. And cause t- I think in order to show that Lot, you know, I don't I don't think it's by osmosis. I think it's by, by watching Abraham for so many years, you can't really shake a habit yeah. that's so deeply ingrained. And he does it, you know, even though he's living in Sedom, even though he's at the entrance of the city gate. So I just wanted to say something about where he's sitting. Yeah, I was actually going to wonder if any commentators had any words about about the city what he gates. was doing there. Yeah. So you... I so I was just in Israel and we were touring um some I don't know, some ruin of 
some till, so some hill, a guarded city gate. And in the ruin, it showed how at the city gate, there are actually two walls, which are maybe about like 10 feet apart. And the idea is that within the city gate, there are rooms that you can actually live in. Oh, they're, they're large like in right? Yeah, okay. It's like a a room large enough to live in. Okay. And so, actually, this is this becomes important information when we're studying Navi, and we learn that Rahab was inside the city gate. Inside, yeah. <laughs> when she, <laughs> um, Rahab is the prostitute who hides the Miraglim who are coming to check out the land, and she. Yeah, yeah, she hides them in the city gates, in the walls. And a lot of people are like, oh, maybe she was hiding them. But as archaeology is kind of kind of uncovering these city gates, we learn that you can actually live inside a city gate. It's large enough and wide enough. Um, so he was sitting in the city gate. He was actually probably in the city gate itself, living in some kind of a structure. And he felt, I think, um, responsible enough for, uh, in his position to go out and welcome somebody coming inside. Right. And I feel like knowing what he knows about the people of Saddam, I feel like he was kind of trying to steer them away. Oh, yes. Because they kind of say, what is it that they say? We will spend the night in the square. They're like, nah, we're going to go downtown. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a night. And he... he it says he kept urging them until finally he turned. They turned aside to him and came to his house. Yes, he doesn't outright say it's not great for you there, but he's like, "You should really come with me. Yeah, you should really not go to the square." So they go to his house, and what I found so interesting is that Lot makes a feast for them. He makes matzah. He makes matzah. matzah. He makes matzah for them. But again, I feel like this is also a very pointed juxtaposition. Yeah. Said I was making bread. 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 uh, uh, Do the flour. Knead the dough. Mm -hmm. Let it rise. Whereas law is like, eh, we don't have time. Just slap it on the grill. Let's just make them some... Unleavened bread. Yeah. So kind of like juxtaposing the maybe effort or care yeah that one would I give to so. a guest yeah that's interesting uh especially because they were spending the night by him anyway mm-hmm. just go through the extra effort long they had not yet gone to bed when the townspeople the men of Sodom young and old surrounded the house young and old alike all the people from every quarter <laughs> It goes to such lengths to say, like, every single member of the population from corner to corner came to Lot's house and said, give us those strangers. We want to know them. Yes. The biblical. The biblical biblical know. Knowing them. 
But okay. Lot went out but to speak the with them. This is part of the story. Yeah. And Lot shuts the door behind him as he goes and he, he wants to speak to them. I I do Ooh. think that Lot is I never noticed that, yes. Yeah, he, he goes to talk to them, but he quickly shuts the door behind him. And I think he's really trying to provide a measure of safety for them. Yes, he's kind of sacrificing himself You know when you're so bit. down in a hole and you're like... I'm here, but, like, you should not be here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've never really spiraled so out of control with, like, drugs and alcohol, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I would imagine people are, like, not only don't look at me, but, like, don't come next to me. Like, I'll don't only... Don't be influenced by me. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't be me. You still have a shot at having, you know, a normal visit to this town and just leave. Mm-hmm. Don't stay here because you might turn into me. Um, and he tries to like, yeah, that, protect that their shutting the door is kind of. Um, I never noticed that before, but it it's kind of a poignant visual in my head of mm-hmm. like him just like sneaking out, shutting the door behind him, and um, I don't know, just making sure that everything inside is is safe before yeah. you can get out. I mean, it's <sighs> but then, but then lot. So I have no, I have no excuse for this. I know. Have you ever read anything to defend this? No. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it doesn't happen, but let's see. Okay. Lot says, guys, don't do this. (laughs) Don't do this terrible thing. You know what? I have two daughters who are virgins. Take them instead. Do whatever you want with them. But don't do anything to these guys. For they have come under the protection of my roof. The only thing I can think of is he's bluffing. Because why would they want... buying time or something? Oh, I never heard that one before. I mean, this is me literally... Like, (laughs) grasping. Yeah, reading it from a point of view of, I don't know, somebody who's seen movies and read thrillers, like... Yeah. But... A diversion. Yeah, but... A stalling tactic. It's not a good look. I know. (laughs) Bad PR, Lot. Yeah. Because Lot suddenly found himself um, defending the guests against his city, the city turns against him immediately and says... This guy who came to our city, was not born here, doesn't know our ways. He's he's setting himself up as a judge. So they're being very judgy about Lot being uh, an immigrant himself. Mm-hmm. As people flow or- over our borders. Yes. Um, the Torah has an interesting opinion about being a stranger in a strange land. Being a migrant. You know what's funny? When... You're going to go there? Trump was in his heyday. Oh, God. (laughs) I didn't think we were going to go there. I'm going to say it. All right. Because it was a conversation that I had to have with a lot of people. You know what? We say a lot of things. You might as well say what you want. Yeah. And maybe we'll cut it out later. (laughs) Whatever. Basically, when he was going all crazy about migrants coming from Syria, etc., I kind of had to remind a lot of the people in my family that we ourselves are Syrian migrants. Not like them, silly. Yes, Not but like that them. was it. Not like them, but maybe it's just 
maybe it's just human nature to need to belong wherever you had settled. And then that kind of dictates who's a stranger to you. I think the idea of having a new stranger poses a threat to the old stranger. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I, we could see it. There's a new stranger. It's posing a threat to Lot because now they're lumping this right and new Lot group of very, strangers with Lot. Yeah, and Lot very obviously took the wrong side here. They pushed against Lot. They tried to break down the door, mm -hmm. and then the strangers. How does it? How does it call them in the text? Ha'anashim, the men. Yeah. They open the door. They pull him in, and shut it. And then they strike everyone with um, blindness. blindness. So Lot went out. I love this. Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were betrothed to his daughters. The very daughters that he had just promised to the whole town. Mm -hmm. And said, get moving, get out of here. God is about to destroy the city. And this is great. This was all a big joke to his sons-in-law. They didn't listen. They left. Mm -hmm. the, the Malachim, Malachim say, take your wife, uh, leave. And then he's still, he has a hard time leaving. So they literally go and they take him by the hands and they force him to leave. They guide him out. Flee then, to the hill so that you not be swept away. Um, and I think there's something to be said here for leaving behind a terrible past mm -hmm. um it's it's funny though how hesitant he is to like you see things falling apart you see men being struck blind you see these strangers telling you that something is about to happen and still you're like, but my luscious pasture but my things so but I can I can kind of see two options here. Um, one would be, you know, again, in this like psychological reading that he can't even imagine what life would be like if he were to try and start over and try and be a good person now. And he thinks that, you know, too he's, much. he's too far gone. Too he really can't leave. Yeah. The other one is actually something very interesting where he says, um, I won't go to the mountains or I would die. In the beginning of the episode, we made very clear to emphasize who's in the mountains. Oh. Abraham is Abraham. in the mountains. I cannot flee to the mountains. The disaster would overtake me and I would die. The disaster is not coming to the mountains. The disaster is down in the valley by Sodom. Hmm. This disaster that he's speaking about is now something that's following him into the mountains. This this idea of being with crushing Abraham. expectations yeah. of being with his super righteous uncle. And so he turns around, he picks anywhere. He's like, I'll go right there. Like, yes, literally. You see that over there? I'll go there. He keeps emphasizing the insignificance of whatever city he's, he's going to. It says twice in the text, He mit'ar amalata na shama, halo mit'arhi utchi nafshi. It's not important. It's not an important city. I'll go there. It's not important, right? Yeah. He he just keeps saying it over and over, like, I'll I'll go to that. I I just want to go to a place, not be a name. I don't I don't want to be a chosen guy. I don't want to have all these like oh 
I don't want to be chosen. Yeah, that's, he that's feels very crushed, I think, by by all of the pressure that is that is placed on him as Abraham's nephew. Nephew, nephew. Um, <laughs> he's like, I will survive. My my soul will live. I'll 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 get by. I don't need to be a tzaddik. Lot's wife looked back mm. and she was turned into a pillar of salt. This was definitely emphasized in our childhood. And I pictured a salt shaker. I'm not sure what you pictured. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> I pictured I pictured like an actual giant salt shaker. That's very funny. <laughs> I pictured a pile of salt. I don't like a, a pile of a salt. pile like a just Wow. I don't know. Like you see those no, but I'm Images saying of that's the Dead like, sea of like that's of, very mature of you. Like, oh yeah, I, like I'm not sure why <laughs> salt shaker. But I wonder, I don't know. I wonder why salt. The only connection that I can make is that when you're trying to, when the when an enemy is trying to make a land um, unplantable, um, don't they like sprinkle salt on it or something? Oh, because the salt completely changes the composition of the soil so that nothing's able to grow. Who are it. you? You studied like soil science? <laughs> Geology? Geology's rock. I don't know. Agriculture? Agriculture. Definitely um, soil science. So the only thing I can think of is like because of her inability to leave her life behind, she kind of was the seal. Um, in the deal of like, oh, nothing oh, will ever grow them. here, okay. and because you had the audacity to look back on it with like, I'll miss my old home. Right. You just made sure that nothing will ever grow there again. Mm. Um, that's my yeah, I like my that. own interpretation. And then we get to another juicy part after he left Soar. Yes. So he went, he left, so he went there. He's like, let me go to that small place. They called it Soar. And then they leave that place and settle, okay, in, settle, and settle in, caves. in the cave. And then thinking that they are the only people left at the end of the world, because they've pretty much just been through a very apocalyptic experience. Daughter one says to daughter two, we need to repopulate the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, I think it's even more our father. specific than that. It says, so we may preserve our family line through our father, through children from so our father. So it's a measure of boom of like doing whatever it takes to continue someone's name. Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, I, there, I mean, there is this like larger story here that this, this, um, this moment of doing you know, for the sake of, of furthering someone's line, begets Moab, and Moab begets Root, who does a yibum to oh. save her family's oh, line as well. Family. Yeah, so there's definitely parallels here, like even going all the way forward into the times of, of Root. But, I mean, I had lots of questions when I was reading this. I was like, didn't they just leave a small town in Soar? So, like, they're not really the only people left in the world. Oh. I didn't realize that at first. I didn't realize that they even went to Tsoar and settled in the hills. So, 
if they had left Soar, then they weren't alone. And then they went there. So then I started looking at commentaries and some commentaries are saying, well, Soar was very close. That's why I was thinking how many hours of walking they would have to do because Soar is well, it was kind of very close, close to Sodom. Because they say, like, this is within the area of our destruction, but we'll leave a little part untouched for you, Log. And then when we come upon um, Lamed Aleph, and it says, our father is old and there's no man left on earth to come to us in the normal way of the world. Oh, okay. So I kind of underlined the normal way of the world. I'm like, what way is that? um, Maybe they just think everyone's gay. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. What was kol ha'aretz like? I guess if they were born and raised in Saddam. Oh my God. Yeah. They're like, everyone's a terrible human being. But. They had son-in-laws, though. Yeah, they were going to marry. Yeah. Hmm. Either the people of Tso'ar were terrible, or they assumed Tso'ar was about to get destroyed, just like Sidom. Okay. Um, That they they fled. They fled to this cave. And when they're in the cave, maybe perhaps that's when they thought that it's just them left. I think the Torah is almost sympathetic to their desperation and their um, uh, attempts at repopulation. Yeah, because otherwise, I I don't think they would have been a consideration for understanding on Hashem's part of what they did if he's still willing to consider them family all those years later. If he's willing... Well, I mean, let's not forget that Root begets David... So to have the merit of having David come from your lineage. Okay. And then we come to our last story of today, um, Avimelech. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of very similar to the story of Abraham and um, coming into Egypt. Um, Saying, let's say that you are my sister. Why does he keep doing this? I don't know. Because it didn't work the first time. I know. It's Let's like say you're my sister. testing everybody. Somebody's gonna, you know, because they're gonna kill me and take you if they think that you're my wife. Mm-hmm. It says he often visited Gerar. There he announced that his wife Sarah was his sister and Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent messengers and took Sarah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Abraham is assuming that everyone is terrible. Mm-hmm. That everyone is a backstabbing a-hole. Um, Why? All of these lies come from the fact that he thinks he's going to be killed mm-hmm. in order to steal his wife. Um, right. We don't know where that fear comes from. No. But we also know that it wasn't... It didn't really go down so well with Pada. This time things happen a little differently. Mm-hmm. This time Hashem comes to Avimelech in a dream. It, it wasn't a whole plague. Remember? Oh, uh, yes. Right. This time it's a little more benign where God comes to Avimelech in a dream and says, You're going to die mm-hmm. if you don't give this woman back to her husband because she's already married. And then, and like he has a point. He's like, What do you mean? And she's like, He told me that she's his sister. And right. He's her brother. Right. Like, um, I didn't know I was doing anything wrong. My hands wrong. are clean here. Yeah. yeah. 
in Pasuk Vav 6, Hashem says, um, you did this with the you you did this out of naivety like you you didn't know that's why I'm giving you an opportunity to do the right thing mm-hmm. but wasn't Paro also equally duped but does he apologize as quickly um I mean, he kind of kicks Abraham out <laughs> and gives him lots of riches and apparently his daughter. Um, it says he treated Avram well because of her and Avram thus acquired sheep, cattle, donkeys, male and female slaves, she donkeys and camels. Like Avraham really became much wealthier because of this trick that they had played on Paro. So, but then Hashem comes and he strikes Paro with, with a plague, with a terrible plague. And only after that, Paro goes to Avram like, why didn't you tell me? Why do you think Avimelech is worthy of Hashem coming to him in a dream? Yeah, I know they have like some kind of argument over a well later. And they make a, they make a pact together. They make a covenant right. together. It says in the beginning of Pasuk Dalid for Avimelech lo karavelea. He had never actually come close to her. Mm. And I guess that means that he never consummated this um, kidnapping. Mm. Um, so maybe, so maybe the... he had some sort of sense that mm. something wasn't right and he acted on that sense. Whereas Pada'o just went ahead anyway. Um I don't know. I'm thinking that might be a little bit of a difference. Yeah, could be. Abimelech summoned Abraham and said, How could you do this to us? What terrible thing did I do to you that you brought such a great guilt upon me and my people? Um, why did you do this? And then it, it seems like there's like this hush money. To Sarah, he said, I'm giving your brother a thousand pieces of silver. This will allay the suspicions of everyone who is with you. You are fully vindicated. So, oh, wait, I'm learning something new here. What? Pasukir Bet, 12. Vegam omna achoti. She really is my sister. Bat avihi she is the daughter of my father but she's not the daughter of my mother Abraham okay. and Nahor married the name of Abraham's wife was Sarai she was the daughter of Haran father of oh so 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 Abraham was her uncle yeah okay she's my family she you know she really is my family I wasn't completely making it up. Mm-hmm. And Abraham also says, I realize that the one thing missing here is the fear of God. You know, like he just saw Sodom and Amorah destroyed. And he's like, I don't trust anybody right now. I don't know what you people are like. You know, I just saw a whole town destroyed because of the way that they were. Mm-hmm. How can I know that you're that you weren't going to kill me? Right. He's trying to keep himself safe. He's trying to keep Sarah safe. So Avimelech says, all right, here's some stuff. Go settle wherever you want. Abraham prayed to God. God healed Avimelech, his wife, and his female slaves so that they could give him children. So they could again give him children. For the Lord had prevented all the women in Avimelech's household from bearing children because of Sarah. Oh, there was a plague. Okay. 
there was a plague and it was barrenness and it was attributed to Sada <laughs> because Sada was barren. This story was told in a completely different way. And I, th- I feel like it changes the tone a little bit. You think so? What I wonder it? why the plague is mentioned last here. In the story with Paro, the plague is immediately mentioned as yeah. a consequence of Paro's actions. But over here, I think it's trying to show Abimelech in more of a positive light. So it kind of mentions the plague after. Like, by the way, the whole house ha- was barren because of her, but they koshered everything. So I wonder if he knew that. Note. Like, did he know? Like, does Sarah just have point, like, blinding pointers <laughs> at her? Like, shimmering lights just lighting up the word barren everywhere she goes? Poor woman. I know. But I guess she's still kind of attractive if people are kidnapping her from her husband still. Mm-hmm. If Abraham's still worried about being killed over her. Yeah. So even if the way of women is not visited upon her... Said I still got it. Mm-hmm. I find it so interesting that all these people that he's getting into these disputes with are like kings. Yeah. Abimelech is the name of a king. Well, not the name of a king, but like king. Yeah. It's it, according to this, it's um, it's a designation given to um, right, like the king of. Palestine. Calling Just all like of the Pharaoh. Kings, yeah, yes. Calling all of the kings of Egypt. Of, yes. Of, Paro, Abimelech would be the same thing. So the two people who steal Sarah at this point are both kings. They both apologize and they both kind of deal with Abraham who, I mean, he's wealthy and he's like commanding an army, but he's not a king. He doesn't have a land yet. But it definitely puts him on equal footing. I think so. I think this legitimizes his political stance in the area. Yeah. At this point, people have definitely been gossiping about Abraham. Abraham. And who's this guy that, you know... Guy on the hills. That guy on... He sounds like a... Consorting with kings. You know, like a hermit. You know, like guy know. up on the hill. So he he is able to talk with kings. He's able to get his wife back. The king doesn't even touch his wife. And not only that, when they touch his wife, they're getting all these kinds of punishments. Yeah. So I feel like we're definitely, a big deal. Yeah, we're building mm-hmm. a reputation for Abraham at this point. And the people that he speaks with um, are giving him that credit. And that when every time he walks away, he is further vindicated and legitimized. Yeah, and Hashem also makes sure to tell Avimelech, if you come out of this alive, just know that it's because this guy prayed for you. Mm -hmm. So Hashem is also um, making sure that everybody knows Abraham is calling the shots, Abraham... And he's imbuing him with, like, this godlike power. Yes. Which I'm I'm sure people were super fearful of at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Thank you. I think it's a wrap for tonight. That's a wrap. Um, Next week, we'll be introduced to the character of Yitzchak. The forefather of... Yeah, the second forefather. Yes. Um, And the things that he goes through. All right. All right. Looking forward to that. Good night, everyone.